This episode of Disease Du Jour is brought to you by equinevetedu.com, a free online educational platform for veterinarians, vet students, and vet techs, brought to you by Equimanagement. Visit equinevetedu.com for free race-approved CE and courses on topics of current interest. Welcome to Equimanagement's podcast, Disease Du Jour, where each podcast will delve into the research and current best practices for a variety of equine health problems with industry experts. I'm your host, Kimberly Brown, publisher of Equimanagement. Today's guest is Dr. Angela Pelzel-McCluskey, who is a national equine epidemiologist for the U.S. Department of Agriculture, Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service in the Veterinary Services Division, and she's based in Fort Collins, Colorado. Dr. Pelzel McCluskey obtained her doctorate in veterinary medicine in 2001 from Texas A&M University. In 2017, she received a master's of science degree in immunology and infectious disease from Washington State University. She was in equine private practice in both Texas and Colorado and has served as an epidemiologist with state and federal animal health agencies since 2004. Dr. Pelzel McCluskey currently oversees the federal response to reportable equine disease outbreaks nationwide and has been the lead epidemiologist for more than 30 state, regional, and national disease outbreak responses during her combined state and federal service. Thank you, Dr. Pelzel McCluskey, for joining us today on Disease Du Jour to talk about vesicular stomatitis. Thanks for having me, Kim. Well, I know vesicular stomatitis has been in the news a lot recently. We're recording this almost the last day of July. So what is vesicular stomatitis virus? So VSV, as we call it, is actually a viral disease that affects both cattle and horses. We get a lot of horse cases when we have outbreaks, so that's why it's really important to the horse owner. This viral disease is spread by biting flies. So as you know, every summer when we have biting flies, we are at risk for transmitting the virus to horses if we've had an incursion of the virus up from Mexico and into the United States. And you had mentioned before that VSV resembles another reportable disease. And while it doesn't affect horses, tell us a little bit about foot and mouth disease. Sure. The reason why VSV is reportable in the United States is because it does look clinically exactly like foot and mouth disease looks in cattle and in ruminant species. As you know, horses do not get foot and mouth disease. So we know when the lesions occur in horses, it can't possibly be foot and mouth. However, when it hits other species, we have to rule out foot and mouth disease as part of our diagnostics. And that's the reason why the disease is reportable in the U.S. And what are the clinical signs of VSV? Sure. So there are many different clinical signs that you may see. Um, What happens is they form vesicles or blisters in certain locations all over the body. Um, One of the most common findings that we see is in the mouth, so the muzzle, the lips, and sloughing of the tongue can all occur from these blister formations. It's very painful, and usually you'll see the horses slobbering, and they'll typically go off of feed. Other places where we see lesions are on the sheath or on the udders. Um, We also have seen it in the ears, the pinna of the ears, where the fly strike is attacking the ears. Uh, Ventral midline under the belly, where you typically see flies biting in the middle of the belly, can get those lesions. And finally, the coronary bands right above the hooves. Um, Sometimes that can cause temporary lameness, but typically it does go away once those lesions heal. Well, you mentioned a little bit about biting flies and midges. So how is VSV spread? 
Sure. So the natural spread for vesicular stomatitis is with a couple of different types of biting flies and biting midges. So black flies, sand flies, and then the culicoides species, which are biting midges, are the most common vectors that we know are capable of transmitting the disease. We do think that there are probably some other flies or other insect species that may be capable at least of mechanical transmission of the virus from the lesions on one affected animal to another to another animal and cause lesions there. Um, so that's the natural way of transmission. But direct contact with the virus that is contained in those blisters is another way that we can spread disease from horse to horse. So any horse that is uh, in a herd that where we have shared water, shared feed buckets, salt licks, um, or if they contaminate a surface or an area with some of that saliva or discharge from those vesicles, we can transmit the virus to another horse that comes into contact with those exudates from the lesions. And what are the health ramifications? You mentioned that they get the blisters, so I'm sure that's sore, they might go off feed. What else happens with horses? Sure, some of them will spike a fever, but a lot of times we don't really notice um, when a little fever spike might occur. The first indication that most owners tell me is that they see those lesions. The horse, thankfully, usually heals on its own, so there's not a huge impact, although those lesions are painful and you will see some clinical signs associated with them. Um, so for horses that are aged or immunocompromised, some of them have trouble healing, and they also may need additional supportive care, especially if they're not eating or drinking properly, and that's where your veterinarian needs to come in and help you out and support those horses, potentially even with some IV fluids if they're really not drinking. Well, and being a reportable disease, it means that there's going to be a quarantine, but with horses, this isn't very long. No, in fact, the quarantine period now is relatively short. So uh, in the old days, we used to have a very long extended quarantine that was based on, the, on lesion healing and 21 days after lesion healing. And it really was just too long of a quarantine, especially in some of these older or immunocompromised horses that may take a long time to heal. We know that the virus is only in the lesions for probably five, six, or seven days after the lesion rupture, and they're really not capable of transmitting from the lesions after that period of time. So what we did in 2015 is we shortened the quarantine period to more mimic the actual disease process and when the virus was really viable in those lesions in the horse. So currently the quarantine period is for 14 days from the onset of lesions in the last affected animal on the premises. So what that means is you have to watch the affected herd on that premises and any new cases that break you have to restart the 14 day countdown from, from that last animal that becomes lesioned. Um, for most people, this is kind of a one-time thing where you see the first couple of cases together and then you go through your 14-day quarantine period. And then if you had no new cases, you go ahead and you get released and everything looks fine. And this is a virus that doesn't live very well in the environment. That's true. It's readily destroyed by contact with sunlight and the air and desiccation and drying out in the air. Um, so we really don't think it lives very long on surfaces, but certainly for horses that are sharing food and water, feed bins and salt licks, you know, that virus might live a little bit longer in some saliva and a salt lick, for example. And for veterinarians, when you have clients that you either suspect or you see something unusual if you've never seen vesicular stomatitis virus before, 
What should your protocols be? Sure. So this disease, as we said, is both state and federally reportable. So for a veterinarian who sees a case even suspected of vesicular stomatitis, even if they don't think it's very likely, the appropriate action is to call the state veterinarian's office and to report that you have a suspicious case. And then the state veterinarian's office and the federal animal health officials locally will support diagnosis on that case to make sure we get the proper samples and that we either rule in or rule out vesicular stomatitis in that lesioned animal. And for veterinarians, they also need to warn their owners a little bit about vesicular stomatitis virus because humans can occasionally get this. They can. In fact, if you have lesioned horses that you're handling, you need to be very careful. The most important thing to do is to make sure that you're wearing disposable gloves when you're handling or cleaning those lesions and helping the horse heal. Because again, the virus is in those lesions and it can come in contact with your hands. Um, Or if you don't wash your hands after you remove your gloves, that's another way that you could pick it up. Um, Be especially careful when horses are sneezing and coughing because the blowing of all that saliva out can get on your face, hands, and eyes, and you can get it that way as well. So keep out from in front of the horse while you're taking care of lesioned animals. Be sure to wear your disposable gloves. And when you're finished and you throw away your gloves, go ahead and go wash your hands and clean up. And right now we're in the middle of an outbreak. So how do these outbreaks get started and where do we stand right now here in late July? Sure. So this particular outbreak in 2019 is moving really quickly. Um, The situation report that I just prepared earlier today says that we have over 365 affected premises now in five states. So it's moving really quickly. What typically happens is this virus circulates year-round in southern Mexico and Central America, and they see cases in livestock every single year. Typically in America, we only see cases every three, four, or five years. They kind of come in waves, and there are different sizes of outbreaks. Some are very small, and some years it runs all the way up the front range, just like we're seeing right now. Our hypothesis is that we think that there are certain climatic and environmental factors that favor the movement of the vector, and the vector, those flies, are carrying that virus northward. So when the climate is just right, and we don't know what all those parameters are just yet, the uh, virus and the vectors move northward, usually along the waterways, um, and then they can pop up over the line into the United States after they reach northern Mexico and continue to move north with the water. So as far as mitigation and management, what can you as a veterinarian help your clients understand on how to maybe prevent the spread of vesicular stomatitis virus? Sure. So there are two approaches that are really important. The first is our vector mitigation strategies, and the second is our biosecurity to prevent infected horses from coming into contact with unaffected horses at that time. So your vector mitigation right now um, should be paramount. It's your most important thing. And you need to apply many different strategies to have the best possible vector control on your premises. So this would include things like your manure management and all of the aspects that go with that. Um, using fly mitigation directly on the horse, directly on the animals, and also fly mitigation strategies throughout your premises in your barns and facilities and around the areas where we could have fly breeding grounds or flies coming into an affected area. We've even found, uh, some studies show, that horses that even have 
uh, access to a three-sided shed or something to get under during the day where they can get away from the vectors can be preventative. Um, so even pasture-raised horses, um, if they have something to be able to get out of the vectors and away from the pasture and into sort of a shed, um, sometimes that does help mitigate even if you can't get out there and spray horses or use other mitigation strategies to prevent the flies from contacting the horses. Don't forget about the ears. We have a lot of ear lesions in this outbreak and I think a lot of folks are neglecting using our fly mitigation strategies and our products on the ears, so be sure to do that too. And Dr. Pelzel-McCloskey, what ramifications does vesicular stomatitis virus have on the movements of horses, both within this country and into other countries? So unfortunately, when we're in the middle of a VSV outbreak, there is a lot of trouble moving horses throughout the country and definitely moving horses internationally from affected states is very difficult, if not impossible. So I would encourage your listeners to make sure if you're moving horses during a VSV outbreak year that you contact the destination state or destination country that you're going to and find out what are the specific requirements that may allow you to move to that state or country. All of our states put in new things in place during an outbreak year, such as a shortened health certificate so that you need to have your veterinarian come out much closer to the time that you're going to move to another state. People have a lot of trouble getting to shows and events, and some of shows and events may actually be canceled, either because they're in an affected county or region and they may have trouble getting the horses to that event, or for people who come from out of state, they may have trouble getting home, so they may skip the event completely. Um, it's just really important to get online, be aware of where all we have these affected premises, what counties and what states are affected, and then you have to make some choices about whether or not you're going to be able to easily get to the show and then get home using all of the new state import requirements and export requirements for moving interstate during an outbreak. It's fraught with a lot of difficulty and you have to do a lot of research, but always be sure to contact the destination state so you can figure out how to get to the show or event and also how to correctly get home using whatever new requirements are in place. Unfortunately for some of our foreign countries that we try to travel to, like Canada especially, if you're coming from an affected state, you will not be able to go. So making sure that you check with your export service center and find out what exactly the international trade requirements are for moving horses during an outbreak. You'll want to know that ahead of time so that you don't get disappointed if you're not aware and you find out too close to the show that you can't go. So Dr. Pelzel-McCloskey, do you have any final words of advice for equine veterinarians? Sure. So veterinarians out there right now need to be really cognizant of anything that looks unusual to you or is a lesion or something strange that's occurring in these locations we talked about that could possibly be vesicular stomatitis. Um, we have even been able to isolate the virus out of wounds that have not healed and are maybe oozing or uh, have some extra discharge from them where the flies have landed on the wound and have occurred, you know, they've caused virus to, prop to propagate in these unusual locations. We have isolated virus out of wounds in the past during the VSV outbreak. So anything that's strange or unusual should be healing or isn't healing or any lesion that sounds characteristic in one of these locations we talked about, you need to go ahead and call that in and we need to collect samples to rule in or out vesicular stomatitis. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Pelson-McCluskey, for joining us today on Equimanagement's Disease Du Jour. 
And we want to let our listeners know that equimanagement.com will keep up with all of the announcements coming out of USDA APHIS Veterinary Services on this vesicular stomatitis outbreak. And thank you for listening to our podcast. You can hear previous and future podcasts of Disease Du Jour on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. We hope you'll join us in the future for another episode of Disease Du Jour.